0: Welcome to Element City Church. We are so thrilled to have you with us, virtually. We know you're not here in the room, but we're here for you. We're glad to gather. It's thrilling to kind of know that some people are in at home uh, with their family. Some are with some friends gathered up, some with small groups, and we're just thrilled that even though we're separate, we get to be together. And So welcome to Element City Church. Glad uh, that we get to spend the next hour or so together and just invite you to lean in to worship lean into what we're continuing on in our summer prayer series looking at confession and just how does that bring a freedom into our faith um, and how does that grow us in our intimacy with Jesus. And so if you are new, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks whether you're tuning in tonight or whether you're catching this later on this week. And if you are catching this later on this week, hopefully monsoons have started by this time uh, and we're getting some rain but uh, as you are new uh, we just want to welcome you and and have you download our free app Uh, you can get that in the app store and google play Uh, you can find different things information about what's going on around here how to stay connected, and in the loop of all that, as well as some playlists, you can catch back up on some sermons from this series and others, and you can uh, just jam out to some music and stuff this week, uh, so just continue to, to look toward that app uh, as a way of helping us stay connected, even though we're apart, uh, and as we get started tonight, uh, we want to just open in a word of prayer, and want to... Again, just say thank you for making time for being a part uh, with us in all these things. Tonight's Church of the Week is Pantano Christian Church, which has a very special place in our hearts. And we want to give a shout-out and a thank you to Pantano and to their leadership, to Glenn, to Chris, to Roger, and to all the team there. Uh, Pantano is our kind of mama church. Uh, They and Casas came together to help launch us seven years ago and uh, so we have a, a big soft spot for Pantano. They're a great encouragement to us, even now in the journey of Element City Church. So would you join me in praying a blessing over them, praying for our evening together tonight as we get ready to worship. So, Father, we, we are so grateful. We're so grateful for all that you do for us. God, we know this is a, an interesting and challenging season. And so we do pause and we pray for your comfort to meet Those that are struggling, maybe struggling health-wise or emotionally with dealing with the ramifications of of feeling isolated or struggling financially, we ask that your activity and your hope would breathe fresh into them tonight. Father, we ask that tonight as the the time we hang out together as we worship you, as we look into your word. Would you allow your spirit to speak into each living room, into each heart, to stir us and help us grow in our relationship with you or, or if we're searching out things. Maybe we've searched a whole lot of life and we still haven't found what we're looking for. We pray that tonight will be the night where you find us. Father, we do lift up Pantano Christian Church to you. We know that they have an incredible heart uh, for the kingdom of God, to launch people out, uh, to make a difference all across southern Arizona. They are such a part of our story And we are so grateful for them. And so we ask your blessing over their leadership, blessing over giving them wisdom and how they leverage their influence for your kingdom's sake. We pray your blessing upon them. And we ask tonight that your blessing would be with us as we worship you now. Would you meet us as we linger in your presence, as we look to you, and as we lean into you tonight? Would you meet us each in a very special way, encouraging our hearts, we ask in Jesus' name. And everyone at home said, amen.
1: Shadows fade Reaching now for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our God. Beyond the skies of love, reaching now for us, the everlasting one, Jesus our
2: Trembled, torn, surrender, Chased my heart adrift And drifted home again Plundered blessing Till I've been desperate To find redemption Every time I turn To be somebody you still want, somehow you love me as you
3: fly.
2: Before I was not grace to spare. This kind of love is who you are. It's a grace I can never add. uh, To be somebody you still want somehow. You love me as
3: you find.
4: Take us back, the place we
3: became,
4: A simple pursuit of nothing but you. The innocence of. Your head, God, take us back. God, take us back to announce where the power of a name, a heart beating for your kingdom. you tonight, Jesus. We come before you. We bring it all to you, Lord. We surrender for so many of us, God. That's what we want. We want to go back. Bring us back to the first love, to the place where we began, to the place of a passion and simple pursuit and sincere and honest worship, Jesus. Bring us back, Lord, we pray. And for those who never experienced God, we pray that tonight, Lord, you would start a new fire within our heart and soul and mind and spirit. And, Lord, we will never be the same, God. So bring us back, Jesus. Bring us on our knees. Bring us to repentance, God. Oh, there is nothing more that we want is to be back with you, Jesus, in your presence Will we belong in your presence that we call home, Jesus. So Lord, we pray that tonight you would open our hearts, and Holy Spirit, would you speak through Lyle tonight. And those words that we hear, Jesus, we pray that that would settle in our hearts deep, and that would produce fruit within us. We love you, God. We praise your holy name. We thank you. And we pray all these things in your precious
5: Amen. Amen. Man, we've got such a great worship team, and I'm so grateful for them. Uh, I hope you're grateful for them as well. Uh, so if you've been tracking with us throughout the summer, uh, you know that we're in our Summer of Prayer series uh, where we've been taking a, an intimate look at what prayer is all about. And at the beginning of this year, our uh, pastoral staff really felt uh, that we needed to see a prayer movement break out in our church, and the only way that's going to be happen is uh, is going to happen is if prayer becomes an integral part of all of our lives. So we really want to look at what prayer is, how can we pray effectively, uh, and so tonight uh, we're in the second week of the of the kind of the second section of this series uh, where we're walking through a model of prayer that's uh, called ACT. Uh, so my name is Lyle, I'm the worship director here. Uh, tonight I'll be speaking about confession, the second letter there, but uh, popping up on your screen uh, should be all four of those letters. We've got adoration, we've got confession, thanksgiving, uh, and supplication, and that supplication just basically means asking for stuff, but uh, this, this, really, this model works well, uh, but don't think that this is something that you have to do. We want to provide this as a tool, as something that you can do. Uh, so that if you're not sure what to pray, you're not even sure how to pray, a lot of people don't even know where to start. This is just a really great model to follow uh, to kind of give you some structure to your prayer. So tonight, again, we're gonna be dialing in on confession. Uh, So if you Google confession, as you can imagine, uh, you'll find some pretty funny stuff on the internet. So I found an article that was titled Adults Confessing the Weird Things They Did as Children, and I thought this might be a great place to start. So one user said this, they said, when I was a kid, I planted bird seed because I wanted a parrot. When I was a kid, I thought the laugh tracks on sitcoms were actually people in their living room laughing at the show. I would sit close to the TV and laugh as loud as I could hoping to hear myself on television. This one, oh, this one hurts. I couldn't have an actual pet as a kid. So I filled a plastic bag with water and pretended it was my pet. I made it a little nest in my desk drawer and would hold it and pet it. I swear I'm normal now. And then this one's my favorite. I used to pee on the carpet in our living room and blame it on the dog. I still feel so bad about it to this day. Poor Mickey didn't deserve it. (laughs) No, poor Mickey did not deserve it, did he? Well, there's something that's powerful about confession, something that cleanses our soul, and yet, for whatever reason, it's not something that we make a regular practice uh, of our lives. And that's why we wanna talk about it tonight. Uh, And so my prayer for you is that uh, you wouldn't walk out of this uh, moment feeling convicted or feeling that you have to confess more out of guilt, but really that you would see confession as something that cleanses our soul so that we can live under the full enjoyment of God the Father. So what does the word confession mean? And I think it's always important to start by defining your terms whenever you have a discussion or a conversation where you're talking about a topic. And so if we look at the the scriptural meaning of the word confession, the word that's used in uh, in the old texts basically means to agree with. It means to tell the truth. And that's why something like the Apostles' Creed we call a confession— because we as Christians are saying that we agree with each other, that these statements about the Christian faith are true statements. This is, this is our belief system here. And so that's where confession can actually be a declaration. When we worship together, what we're actually doing is we're making confession, saying that these words and these songs are true for us. Uh, but tonight, we're going to focus in on probably how you, you know confession uh, to be. And that's really almost that, that Catholic way of uh, Confessing and agreeing with God on the things that He sees in our life. And so let's open to the book of uh, Daniel chapter nine. And we do have, uh, if you're using the U version, uh, we've got the notes in there, so you can follow along in that, uh, but I'll be reading from the ESV here, starting in verse cha- uh, verse four of Daniel chapter nine. And it says, "I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession, saying, "O Lord." the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. So we'll pause right there. Notice how he starts. He's starting with adoration, right? And then he moves on. Verse five, it says, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. To you, O oh Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and in all the lands to which you've driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. This prayer of confession here, it's a prayer to really confess on behalf of the nation of Israel. So just even a quick side note, this is a sermon for a different time. But sometimes making confession means that we're confessing on behalf of a a people group. But his prayer here is a great model uh, for us of what confession actually looks like. And he starts off by listing the things that was done wrong. He calls those things sin. And all he's really doing here is truth-telling. He's agreeing with God, the sovereign God, who already sees everything that's happened. And he's saying, you're right, God. What you saw here, this is what we did. And what we did was wrong. So that's what he says in verse 5. We've sinned. We've done wrong. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled. And he goes on. The point of that, we need to be specific when it comes to our confession. It's not just enough to say that we've sinned. But like Daniel did here, we have to really recognize uh, that there's specific ways that we've wronged God, that we've sinned against him. And that's like the seventh time that I've said the word sin. And if you're like most people these days, you're cringing a little bit. It's like, ah, sin. Uh, that's the church lady thing, right? And it... it, it I think we have a misconception about sin sometimes where we, uh, I don't want to say that we make it to be a bigger deal than it actually is. But sometimes I just think that we miss the point of, of why God's called it sin. So if we're going to continue to define our terms, I think it's important to recognize where the word sin comes from. The origin of this word, it's actually an archery term. And so they'd have these ancient competitions where archers would get up. They'd obviously set the target several meters away or however far uh, away it was. And an archer would stand there. They'd pop their bow and they'd take their shot. And there'd be a little child that would be standing next to the target. And so their target would be much like what we see these days where there's a bullseye. And if that shot hit anything other than the target, that little child would stand there and yell out, "sin," And that would be the sign that they missed the mark. The archer missed the target that was set for them. What this means is that God has created a target for us, how He wants us to live our lives. And He establishes this firmly in His Word. And anytime we miss the mark of living the way, the good way, the healthy way that He set before His people and is asking them to live, we call that sin. And so you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal then? Like, we can all probably agree that murder's pretty bad. Like, there's certain sins that we're like, yeah, that's, that's not good. We shouldn't do that. But sometimes it's just like, but I mean, that lie actually made sure that that person wasn't really hurt. Do I really need to confess that? Like, what's the big deal? Why is that sin? Well, the answer is because God is holy. And so when we say God is holy, what we mean is he's set apart. And if we were to picture this in a Venn diagram, if you're familiar with that, the circles, when God is set apart, we're saying he exists in a category all by himself. So you've got God and then you've got literally everything else in all of creation and all of the universe. That's how holy God is, is that he is separate from, he's, he's perfect, he's all-loving, he's just, he's merciful, he's gracious. There's all these things that make up the totality of God's character. That makes him holy, and because of his holiness, he wants to, to make sure that it's not diminished by our sin, by us missing the mark. So picture this with me. Let's just say uh, that you own your own business. And this isn't just like, we're not talking like a local business. We're not talking like a small business. We're talking like you're a global conglomerate, like you're fortune 500. And you've spent so much time, so much effort, so much energy into creating this company and building this company up. And so you've got a sales method that's just guaranteed to be successful. And that's why you are this Big, huge, corporate uh, behemoth, really. And you've set up this corporate culture where you value people, you treat your employees well, you give them great benefits, just like the best benefits. And everybody loves to come to work because there's all this diversity and and just everybody feels valued, they feel respected. And then let's say that you go on vacation and then I walk in while you're on vacation. I just go to your office And I start to convince all of your employees, ah, no, there's this better way to do it. Just kinda do your sales method whatever way you want. And you know what, who cares about this code of conduct? However you're feeling in the moment, just treat treat people the way that you want to. Doesn't really matter. Uh, Yeah, And, and I just start to undo all of the culture that you've created and have all of your people somehow convince them to just go against all the principles that you've established for your company. What's gonna happen when you come back? How are you gonna feel? You're gonna rightly be angry. You're rightly gonna be hurt. Why? You're gonna be angry at me because I just walked in and said, eh, whatever. I had no right to go into your office. I had no right to do any of those things. And if you look at your employees, you'd be hurt because they should know better. They've lived the successful life. They know that everything that you've set up was for their good was not just for the success of the company, but even for the success of them. And so you'd also be hurt that they didn't trust you enough to continue to follow the principles that you laid out. Does that kind of paint a good picture for you of what it looks like when we sin against God? This world is a world that he created, that he owns. It all belongs to him. And he established the principles by which he wants us to live. And how often do we fail to to hit the mark This is why our sin is such a big deal, because we're in essence telling the Holy One who created it all that we know better, that we don't actually trust Him enough to follow His words or to follow His ways. Daniel understood this. That's why He says it in verse 5. That's why He says, We've sinned, we've done wrong. As a result of their sin, He says in verse 8, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. Not only does Daniel accept that they've wronged God, He accepts that God was right to judge the Israelites. And this is Daniel fully owning the weight of what the Israelites did, understanding that God is just and God is right to punish them because of it. You see, part of making appropriate confession is also owning the consequences of our sin. And this isn't very easy, is it? But that's the reason the Acts model proceeds the way it does. That's why we start with adoration. It should make sense to start with adoration because we're uh, acknowledging the power, the holiness of God. As we worship him, we realize we're praying to the one who has the ability to hear us and the power to change any and every circumstance around us for his good and for his glory. He's holy, he's revealed his character, his goodness, his faithfulness to us. So of course we should start by worshiping him. But when we see God for who he really is, it enables us to see us for who we really are not. It's be grossly aware of all of our faults, all of our imperfections, and seeing how we've missed the mark, how we've not been able to live up to the standard that God has set for us. And we start to see that sin uh, as offensive. As important as confession is, where the power truly lies in our confession is when we couple it with repentance. Maybe that's a word that you've heard, but you're not familiar with it. Uh, When we say to repent, what it means is to turn away from. So when I say I repent, if I'm facing something, if I'm moving in a direction, when I repent, I'm literally doing a 180 to walk away from that and to move completely in another direction. Now picture that. If I start walking away from something and I don't turn back, when am I ever gonna make it back to this over here? I'm not. It can't happen. I can't walk on water. I'm not Jesus. Neither are you. Spoiler alert. And that's a good thing, isn't it? Because when we repent while we're confessing, uh, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I've missed the mark. uh, But not only have I missed the mark, I just want to make sure that I don't miss the mark that way ever again. Confession has to be coupled with repentance. Otherwise, our confession is either insincere really just worse it's open rebellion and so i want you to think of like a family relationship maybe you have kids at home uh, all of us have parents um and so think about a relationship where you've got a rebellious teenager you've got a loving parent and a rebellious teen and the parent asks the child to do one thing what what does the child often do just the opposite right because they don't respect the parent enough, or maybe they don't value the words that the parent has said and is speaking into their life, and so they want to do this out of spite. But sometimes it's not even out of spite. Sometimes it's just simply they don't think that the parent is telling them something that's good for them. They don't trust that, and they think, I know a better way. Regardless of our motivation, the outcome's the same, isn't it? The outcome is still willful disobedience. So how often do we find ourselves doing something other than what God's word tells us to do? Because this, uh, in this day and age, it, just, it makes more sense to maybe do things the way that we think we should. But when a child and a parent have a strong relationship, there's usually remorse when you do something that misses the mark. So I can remember, gosh, I think I was in sixth grade. It might have been seventh grade. I don't remember. Uh, but I remember some of my friends that I would walk to school with and walk home with, Uh, their parents smoked, and so they took a couple packs of cigarettes from their parents, Uh, and so as we're walking back, we we get to the park uh, that's outside of our neighborhood, and they pull the cigarettes out, and I walk up, and they're already smoking, and they're like, oh, hey, try one. So what do you do when you're an awkward sixth grader, and you're just trying to fit in? Okay, so you take the cigarette, like I smoke the cigarette, and I got to tell you, it felt cool. Like, (laughs) you just feel awesome. It's like, I'm so old right now. Look at me, you know, like I'm smoking and they're like, oh no, you gotta breathe it in. You know, I'm coughing like crazy. Uh, But this happened for a couple days. And I remember uh, a few days later, what do you do? What happens when you start to feel kind of cool about something? Well, naturally you brag about it to your older brother. That's what I did. And I was like, oh man, look at this, this is so cool. And what did my brother do? He told me how stupid I was. He's like, you're dumb, That's, that's just idiotic. And then he just walked away. And I was like, what the heck, man? So, like, I go back into my room, and I'm not really paying attention, but five minutes later, my dad's office door just comes flying open, and my dad comes flying out of the office, and he goes straight to our bathroom, and he takes our dirty clothes hamper, and he's just pulling all of my clothes out, and I see him pulling my shirts, and he's he's sniffing the shirts, and he just starts making a pile, and so he grabs the shirts that smelled like smoke, and he walks in the room, and he's pretty calm. I do have to say, he was pretty calm, and he's like, do you want to explain to me why they smell like cigarette smoke? I was busted. I knew it. So what did I do? I stared at my brother. Like, I glare at my brother because it's just like, you betrayed me. Like, how could you do that? You know, like, I'm hurt inside. And I, I cannot overemphasize how calm my dad was in that moment and what he did. He didn't come down on me. He didn't yell at me. He simply just expressed how disappointed he was that I would do that. And then this is what killed me. He said, as disappointed as I am in you right now, I just want you to think how hurt your mother would be if she knew that this was the case. I'm not going to punish you because if I do, she's going to find out and she's going to want to know why you're grounded. And I'm not going to lie to her So you just think about how disappointed she would be, how hurt she would be if she actually knew the truth. Man, I was devastated. And you could imagine, what did I do? I confessed. I owned up to everything in that moment. I was confessing for things that I probably did four or five years before that because my dad was so kind in that moment. And that's why Romans uh, chapter two, verse four, it says that God's kindness is supposed to lead us to repentance. This, of course, is the moment where I stop and say uh, that now that we're streaming our services, my mom's watching. So, hi, mom. If that's the first time you heard that story, you're welcome. Uh, But I had a healthy respect. I had a great relationship with my parents. And I let both of them down. But my dad's mercy to me in that moment, really, it spoke volumes. And I think that's what God wants our relationship with him to look like. And so we'll just pause right here and say maybe you never had a great relationship with your mom and dad. And we call God the Father all the time. And so you have a hard time relating to that. That's okay. Maybe think of a mentor or a coach, someone that you did respect, someone who believed in you, someone that you had that relationship that brought the best out of you, to where in that same type of a situation where if something happened, like you, you cared about what they thought, you wanted to make them proud. What if we began to see God's kindness toward us in that way? What if we saw that, yeah, he's angry and disappointed when we sin. But what if we saw that that disappointment was more in the fact that we took something that was fleeting and ugly. And we traded an infinitely valuable and holy God for just a fleeting moment of pleasure. How would that change our attitude toward confession and repentance? You know, maybe that's one of the reasons why we don't confess. We're afraid of his anger. We're ashamed of our actions. You know how else was ashamed of their actions? Adam and Eve. Think back to the story of the garden. What happens? God tells them, here's everything that you need for a successful life, everything to be happy, and then the serpent comes and deceives them. They eat of the fruit they're not supposed to eat, and what do they do? They were ashamed. They realized that they were naked, and they hid from God when God came to look for them. Maybe part of our problem with confessing is, We're wearing that shame of our sin. We're afraid of him when he comes around. I want you to see this. Yeah, God was disappointed. God had to punish them. He removed them from the garden. But notice also that God took note of their shame and he gave them the clothing that they needed to cover it. We have a gracious God who even in the midst of our sin, he still makes provision for us to bear the consequences of that sin. Could our struggle to confess really also be our struggle to believe that God is who he says he is? What I mean by that is do we really take God at his word when he says that he's going to forgive us when we do confess our sins? I don't know about you, but sometimes I can be really hard on myself. And it's hard to forgive me for the the dumb things that I've done. And so maybe we're just projecting that notion uh, onto God Well, spoiler alert, God's not you. And that's a great thing, isn't it? Because even if you're the kindest person, the most generous person that you know, God is still infinitely more kind, infinitely more generous, infinitely more merciful than you ever could be. And I know that that's great news for me because I'm not always kind. I'm not always any of those things. Sometimes I want justice more than I wanna see mercy happen we have a God who forgives and stands ready to forgive that's what we need to remember first John 1 verses 7 through 9 it says but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How beautiful is that? We have to constantly preach this to ourselves to remind us that God is not us. He is so much better than we are. So that's why we start our prayers with adoration. We have to have that reminder that God is not us, that God is so much better. He is infinitely better than we are. Because when we do that, It's so much easier to naturally lead to a place of confession to say, God, you've set the standard with, with the way you've lived and I can't measure up to that. It's just owning that. It's telling the truth that we can't do that ourselves. And you may be asking, well, what do I confess? How does this work then? Do I confess all the big sins? Do I have to confess every little lie that I've told? Do I confess about the things I said about that person who cut me off on the road the other day? Yeah, sure, go for it. Confessing anything, actually really a great start. Just anything at all. And I'd just make this recommendation. As you pray, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask him to bring to mind what things you do need to confess. Ask him to show you gently, lovingly, how you've missed the mark that he set for your life. And the beauty of confession is it does come with several benefits. And it's no, my, by no means an exhaustive list here. But uh, just as we kind of begin to close, I do want to uh, cover a couple of those. One, there's definitely health benefits. Psychologist James Pennebaker uh, wrote about this in an article for scientificamerican.com. Uh, he and his colleagues have discovered that there's a lot of benefit to using expressive writing that's completely open and honest about what one is feeling. Uh, The article says this, Any type of open and truthful disclosure reduces stress and helps individuals come to terms with their behavior. It is not coincidental that some of the most powerful people or institutions in many cultures encourage people to confess their transgressions. First, simply putting emotional turmoil into words changes how we think about it. We start to think about it in a simpler, less menacing context. Once we write about our upheavals, we tend to ruminate about them less, freeing us up to focus on other things. My colleagues and I have shown that people become more socially engaged in the weeks immediately following expressive writing exercises. Dozens of studies have also shown that expressive writing is linked to less stress and improved sleep and cardiovascular function. We know that better sleep is associated with enhanced immune function and better general health, which correlate with better mental health too. Those are all great things. And you know what? You may not be fully comfortable journaling a list or using that writing. That's okay. Just the verbal uh, acknowledgement of your sin is gonna lead to a lot of those uh, same benefits. But I would challenge you, maybe grab just a blank sheet of paper, not in a journal, not something that's gonna stay permanent, but write your sins out on that. And you know what you can do after that? Do exactly what God says uh, he did in Colossians 2. It says that the record of debt that stands against you, he set aside, he nailed it to the cross. And so maybe you take that sheet of paper and you just burn it up afterward. Maybe you rip it up and throw it away. But all those things are gonna be a, a, a great tool for you uh, to find some, some health benefits here and, and move forward, uh, forgive yourself in those moments where maybe it's difficult to forgive yourself. But there can also be some physical benefits, uh, some healing that can come from confession of sin. James 5, 14 through 16 uh, really implies that some sickness is rooted in unconfessed sin. It says this, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now some of you, maybe you've been suffering for some time and you've yet to find a reason for that. It doesn't make sense. Well, I'll just challenge you. If you've got unconfessed sin that you've harbored in your life for an extended period of time, maybe it's time to gather some people from church together. Keep your six feet distance, wear your masks, whatever you gotta do. Bring them together and confess your sin. And spend that time in prayer, just asking God for healing. There's power in that moment because when you do get this this group of like-minded believers together, people who love you, uh, what you're actually doing is setting up a support system for yourself as well. You're giving yourself accountability. That gives you strength to overcome even when you feel pretty weak moving forward. And the caveat to this is God may not heal you. It may not be rooted in sin. But where the devil likes to trip us up is he likes to get us to think that the reason God didn't answer our prayers is our fault. And so I'm just gonna tell you, rebuke that thought. Don't even allow that thought to enter your mind. God may not heal you in that moment. That's okay. The other great thing about prayer is it has this way of realigning our hearts with God's will. So you're still gonna get the benefits from that. For me, uh, the most important point to all this Uh, The benefit of confession here is it allows us to fully live under the joy of the Father. What do I mean by that? If we go back to our earlier example of a loving parent with a rebellious child, is that child actually living under the parent's love and, and pride and joy in that moment when they're being rebellious? Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're still loved. The parent still feels joy when they see their child. But that child isn't getting to live with the full benefits of that parent having the fullness of their love and the fullness of their pride and the fullness of their joy uh, over their life. There's something that's broken and hindered that relationship that needs fixing. And the same's true for the parent. Because the parent in that moment, they feel the burden of that relationship not being all that it was meant to be. Not being everything that it really should be. And for me, I wanna experience the fullness of joy that comes when I'm living in a right relationship with God. And he does tell us that confession is one of the ways that we can do that. One of the heroes in the faith for me, John Piper said this, he said, confessing our sin is the agreement with God that we have sin, and it must be fought and killed. It is not the basis of our forgiveness. It is one of the traits that shows we are truly in Christ where all our sins are covered by his blood. Isn't that a wonderful thought? As we seek right relationship with God through a regular practice of confession uh, and repentance, that also gives us the assurance of our faith in Christ that it's something that's real. Think back to 1 John 1. It says that in verse 8 that when we say that we have no sin, we're actually deceiving ourselves. But in verse 9, if we are willing to confess our sin, he's faithful. He's just to forgive us of our sin. He's going to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If you want to live in right relationship with the Lord, we have to wage war on our sin. You can't wage war against something that you don't acknowledge is there. Do you want to regularly see God's faithfulness in your life? Confess and repent regularly. Do you want to feel the joy that comes from being in right relationship with God the Father? Then confess and repent regularly. Do you want less stress, better sleep, better overall health? Confess and repent regularly. I think these are things that that we all want, but they don't just happen by themselves. It's gonna require a little bit of humility, a little bit of courage, a little bit of faith. And it's probably going to be a little uncomfortable to start with, and that's okay. But we're going to start tonight. We're going to practice it right now. So even for the few who are here in the room, for those of you who are at home, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Uh, and the worship team's going to come up. They're going to start to kind of play uh, behind us here. But we want to take a moment to create some space that you can confess. And so as we kind of get into this attitude, this state of prayer, Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that what we've talked about tonight is essentially the gospel. What's the gospel? It's good news. That's what that means. The good news is that God is holy, that we are not holy, that God sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life that we never could, to offer him up as a sacrifice for us so that we could have a right relationship with the Father. And so if you've never made confession, the most important confession you can make right now is to confess that Jesus is Lord, to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. We call that uh, receiving Christ. And there's a, a button in the chat that actually says uh, that if you're wanting to make that prayer for the first time, you can click that, and we've got somebody who, who's ready to pray with you. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to those principles to say, God, yeah, I've, I've missed the mark and I've done it for a long time. In fact, I've not even cared about hitting the mark. I've just kind of loosely shot arrows whatever direction I wanted to because it was fun. But I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to start shooting once again to, to hit the mark that you've set. And so, Father, we're just gonna start by adoring you. You are good. You are righteous. You are holy. And yet you are so faithful and so loving and so merciful. Allow us in this moment to behold the beauty of your holiness. And that as we do, Lord, that you would begin to put a reverence in our heart for you. And as we see that, Lord, would you speak to us of the ways that we failed you, of the ways that we've, we've missed the mark that you set before us, the ways we've sinned against you. Your word says in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. That's our heart right now, God. Would you speak to us? Would you show us the areas where we failed you? For some of you, it may be something pretty heavy. That's fine. Pause the stream. We're not You can watch this on demand in a couple days. It's not going anywhere. Take this moment to just really lay that before the Father, to lay it at his feet, to confess it, to own it. Maybe it's something smaller. It's not, not one of these huge things. maybe it's still something that you see God it, it hurt your heart that I didn't live the way you wanted me to I didn't reflect your glory the way that I could have but Father as people at home hopefully are confessing to you now it's my greatest prayer Lord that your mercy would just wrap around all of our people in this moment. That we would feel your presence and that more than anything, God, it, it, we wouldn't sense or feel your anger or even your disappointment, we just sense your love. We would sense uh, that you're standing before us with open arms because you've been waiting for this moment. You've seen this moment before time and you knew this was the moment where hearts were drawn back to you, where hearts were turning themselves back toward you. And you're just ready to rush in and to fill that space with so much grace and forgiveness that we all need. We love you, Jesus. Jesus. You paid a debt we can never pay. We thank you for that. We worship you for that. Would you continue to speak to our hearts tonight of how much you love us and how much joy you take in us, that this is a relationship that you want to delight in, that you know it can be more. If only we would just turn back to you and allow that to happen. So we, we give ourselves to you tonight, Lord. Restore our relationship uh, to be what it was always meant to be with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
3: Amen.
2: come I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry. I just sang another song. Take me back to where I started. I opened up my heart to you. And I'm sorry when I've come. With my enchanter, I'm sorry, but I forgot that you nerve take me back to where we started. I open up my heart. just to kindness, Lord, overwhelms me. Your mercy never fails. It never fails. Here we are. I'm caught up in your presence. I just wanna sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment, and everyone leaves. No, I'm not here for blessings. you don't hold.
0: confession is this incredible opportunity that's put before you, put before me, put before each one who would turn in God's direction for his restoration, his reconciliation, his healing, his touch to have an intimate connection with him begins there. Acknowledging him for who he is, that he's true to who he is. We adore him. In the confession part is just, we so often see it kind of like Lyle was saying. It's this sense of shame, and so we try to hide. And the reality is the most freeing gift for those who make it a pattern of life. So we invite you this week to make it a pattern. Make it a rhythm of how you live out your prayer life. How you engage with the Spirit, sense the joy of the Father, the companionship of your amazing Savior, the forgiveness that's offered to you, to us. So, would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness that offers the highway home if you will would you help us be a people that tread that path often because it keeps our alignment with you Father we love you we thank you that you love us more than we can ever get our arms or mind around and it's in that love that we rest, and that we find life with you. As we confess our and acknowledge that we need you and that we continually need you. So thank you for these moments tonight. Thank you for the time we could be together. Thanks for how you're stirring hearts. Would you continue to call us home in the intimacy and connection with you? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are so glad uh, that you could join us this evening from wherever you are and whoever you're with. Uh, I hope this has blessed your heart. Our prayer every week is that this would stir you, refresh you, and encourage you. And that as we have been diving into prayer, we continue to deepen your connection and prayer with God. And so uh, I know being separate so many ways, and over these weeks, is challenging. And so, I want to invite you uh, that right after we say amen and we're dismissed from kind of gathering online together, that you can kind of pop over to a Zoom call. That some of our we got some great hosts; they're going to be there as well, uh, and they'd love just to hang out together for maybe 15, 20 minutes. Uh, maybe they could pray for you. Maybe you just hang out and tell jokes. You could talk about carrying around a bag of water and calling it a pet. That was really weird. Um, just saying, that's really weird. <laughs> okay, so, uh, but, you know, just, you can hang out there, just kind of grow in community and connect there. Uh, thank you again for all of you who partner with us financially, kind of helping us live as a church on mission uh, in, in challenging times, but to continue to try to bring the hope and light of Jesus to the heart of the city. Uh, we get to do that together, friends, and so I'm just grateful for the partnership that you bring and that you have with that. If you've never been a part of giving around here, we do that mostly online, uh, especially now, uh, but mostly online. You could do that through the app or online at elementcitychurch.org and uh, just invite us as we go from this space and this place and this time tonight that you would keep what you've heard. You keep what we have just sung about, nothing else. I don't want anything else, God just want to be with you. Would you let that be the cry of your heart this week? And so, Jesus, that's what we pray for. Would you draw us closer to you and let us linger in your presence this week? We pray your blessing over each and everyone who's watching right now, tunes in this week, that this prayer would meet them, refresh them, and that, Jesus, you would be the rock of their life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, friends, for being with us. Hop over to the Zoom if you want. We'll see you back next Sunday at 5.